Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. Hello, welcome back everyone. This is Sarah. And this is Katie. Hey everybody. Hello. Welcome back. (laughs) Um, How are you, Katie? Oh, I'm I'm doing well, Sarah. How are you? (laughs) Delightful. Not sarcastically either. Um, It's good. good. Even though it's cold as shit and it's supposed to be warm where you are, but you know what? At least it's a it's a hundred degrees here right now for me. So Okay. I will not complain then. You can have it. You can have (laughs) it. I will take the the dreary cold London weather. It's just more that it teased me. The weather app is Mm. still saying it's seventy and sunny and I'm like, lies. You're all fucking lying because it's not it's cold and like gray and depressing damn damn well i'm here to be your little ray of sunshine oh Oh, you always are you're my little orange ginger ray of sunshine my favorite oh my god um i don't have any announcements do you No, but we're both super excited to announce the next thing. We're so excited. We have a very special guest today, Corey. Hey, Corey. Hey, Corey. We're so excited to have Corey on. She's a patron and amazing. And she was just telling us that she just listened to five years worth of our podcast in like a couple of months. And I was just so flattered that you wanted to listen to my voice that long. So thank you for being on the show. We're so happy to have you. Yes, I just, I can't believe you did the whole, like (laughs) we were just talking about before recording that she was like, yeah, it was like Sarah's like life changes. And I got all emotional because I'm like, it's true. I've done like all the phases in life in the podcast and you guys have been there along with me in the journey. So that's That's really cool. cool. Yeah, it's cool. It's been all documented, you know. <laughs> I might regret that later. I've already told Rory, who's only seven months. I'm like, I'm so sorry if you ever listen to mommy's podcast later. <laughs> oh, you're going to be so cringy and be like, mom, I don't want to know about your gas pills and take him before dates. It's gross. And I'm like, sorry, babe. <laughs> That's what That's so funny. <laughs> So, Corey, um, Corey came on. We wanted to talk about um, particularly Heather Gay's book, Bad Mormon. If you listeners don't know, Heather Gay is one of the real housewives of Salt Lake City, uh, which we covered. And um, we were chatting just a little bit about it before, but Corey uh, actually highlighted some stuff and took notes. But before we get into that, Corey, do you want to give just a little um, introduction, brief like description about your journey and and your, you know, I don't know, take on <laughs> what happened to you in Mormonism and, and your views on that? Yeah, tell us sure. about you, Corey. Um, I feel like I'm... you know everything about us, but I want to know about you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I feel like I do, too. Um, no, it. I and I think this will help um, listeners understand maybe why this book, like, I related to it so much. Um, just I I had a very similar upbringing um, as as Heather did. Just was you know born and raised in the church. I was the fourth of I am the fourth of nine kids. Oh wow! Um, wow. I grew up in southeastern Idaho on a farm until I was about nine years old, and then we moved to southern Nevada. But you know, did all the things, did, um, you know, I was like in it to win it and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, worked really hard to get my young women medallion, like 
as quickly as I could and um, did all the things. I got my patriarchal blessing when I was 14. And um, one thing that uh, I know you guys have talked about patriarchal blessings on the podcast and, you know, that they, the, the harm they can do, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there were one of the things that I feel like, um, you know, it can be argued whether it was for good or not in my life, but it um, said very clearly, you will serve a mission. And, oh, wow. Um, you know, and I, and I, so from the age of 14, <laughs> I had that in my head. Oh, okay, oh, I'm going to go God. on a mission. Wow. And it really, I mean, I think it really changed how I approached um, relationships and things in my teenage years and also in college. Um, cause I just, I wouldn't even give guys the time of day. Not, not that I had many that <laughs> were wanting the time of day when I went to college, but, um, you know, it was kind of like, well, I'm going on a mission and right. oh wow, if, if it was a guy that wasn't like, even c- wouldn't consider hanging around till I got done, then it's like, then there's no point in, you know, dating. Yeah. Them. I find so interesting because that's so that's very opposite of a lot of young women's experience. They're like wanting the guy to go on the mission. It's I feel like it's rare that a young woman gets told you will go on a mission. Like that's very interesting to me. Yeah, Yeah, it it was interesting. And um, there were some other interesting things in my patriarchal blessing that I that I probably won't get into, but just that. it, it did really like I feel like affect how things um how things went during my teenage years and my and and I was very young when I went to college I was 17 oh, um wow. and so I I was one semester away from graduating when I left on my mission oh um, wow and so I was almost completely done with college um okay. and then I went on a mission to Brazil um oh, cool. going through the temple like in preparation for a mission was very different than for a lot of people going. And I, I think it was the same for Sarah when mm-hmm. you go through and you're not planning to get married and you're covenanting to some fictitious man you have not even met. Oh, so you're crazy. covenanting to obey them and to hearken to them. Um, it was so bizarre to me. Um, yeah. Anyway, so that was I remember that. And then, you know, and then I went to Brazil on a mission and it was honestly, it was such a great experience for me. I, to learn the language and the culture and, um, you know, I, I learned the language really quickly and just loved the people and really just embraced it all. Um, but you know, now with this perspective, I just think, wow, what could I have gained from an experience like that if I had not been there trying to change people and trying to convert people and (laughs) trying to, you know, and and having this very kind of culty experience where I'm not allowed to speak to my family and I'm not allowed to, you know, I was right there on the beach and, but you couldn't actually go on to the beach, you know, all these crazy rules and, and things. Um, And then there was a lot of, um, I would say misogyny in my mission. I had, you know, these 19 year old guys telling me that, you know, they didn't like how I did this or that. They didn't, I had one of my 
zone leaders tell me that I, yeah, tell me I shouldn't, I shouldn't sing the hymns the way they're written because it was distracting. What? And because they, they sing them a little different in Brazil. Like they have some of their own rhythms or even some of their, like they'll change the melody a little bit. He's like, you just need to learn to go with the flow. Like, Oh my God. And I was, and he's like this 19 year old kid trying to tell me that like the way I'm singing is wrong, and, <sighs> you know, and then we had, we had um, members that like, they got mad because we started a, like, it was like an activity we started one time because they weren't there yet. And they like got all mad. They took it to the bishop. They took it to the mission president because we didn't have the authority to start a meeting that we should have waited for a priesthood leader. I don't oh know, just stuff like that. Like, I'm there, like, oh, as a volunteer, can... <laughs> spending my time. So there, you know, my mission was like one of the greatest experiences of my life. And that's how I eventually, you know, met my husband is because we both had served missions in Brazil and had that in common. So it's like, I'm really grateful for that. And I see some of the people that we taught and I'm like, I know their lives were better with the gospel in it, you know, like they needed that structure to stop drinking or to, you know, make changes in their lives, but it would be better if it were all true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and so I just feel like, you know, that was a big chunk of my life. Anyway, I came back, finished at BYU with a degree, but no but no husband, which was just tragic for my parents. <laughs> oh, uh, I moved to Arizona, Katie. Arizona! <laughs> um, and, and, um, yeah, my, my dad was like, how are you going to ever find someone to marry in Arizona? Oh, <laughs> like a high population. <laughs> you know, he was terrified yeah. that I was in Utah and, um, but anyway, my my mom and my husband's mom knew each other and they set us up and we got married a year later. And anyway, so did the whole did the whole uh, put him through dental school thing. And um, and I taught school and and then he was in the army. So we moved to Germany. So I think that's oh, also really? why I related to both of you. I'm like, Aww. I can picture where you are and what you're doing with your lives when you things. Um, so wow. we lived in Germany for three years, had um, two kids. Um, my husband was gone for 15 months of that in Iraq, which was really hard for me. Oh, wow. And it took me about five years after that second kiddo and that deployment before I wanted to have more kids, which was meant with, with met with a lot of uh, judgment in the church, I feel like. Um, people just kind of like, what's wrong? Why aren't you having more kids? Oh yeah. And yeah. I, like, cause I can't be around a baby without having a, an anxiety attack. Like yeah. it was really hard. And, Aww. um, and then when we did finally decide to have more kids, we had twins. So that oh, was my God. Challenging. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, so I have four kiddos. Um, my oldest, is non-binary and bisexual so that's also been something that's um it's really made it very obvious to me um that the church is not a place for everyone and that uh, it's 
you know, I, I look back on things like the temple or even, even like the second hour of church. I'm like, there's no place for my child there. Right. That makes me sad. And, and I'll have friends that are still in the church. that will be like, Oh no, the church loves everyone. We're very, you know, it's accepting. I'm like, I'm like, you say that, but what, what would you have my child do? You know, right. there's literally not a spot for non-binary people. Like, there's nowhere for them to belong. And I, and I makes me really sad when I think about kind of the, I guess the trauma that I put them through for the first, you know, 16 years of their life. Um, just, you know, I know I was trying to do my best, but like having no idea that that was part of who they were and part of their identity and having to go every single Sunday and listen to things that were very um, gender appropriating was mm-hmm. probably very harmful for their mental health. And but so that- you know, at least at least you got them out and you got yourself out and them out at you know early enough. I think like it could have been way worse. <laughs> I think so, yeah, I don't, I don't know that they ever would have felt comfortable. Yeah being open with me and, and, and with us about who they are and, and how they feel if, if I had still been in the church. Um, Mm -hmm. But I, I didn't leave the church until I was um, almost three years into dental school. I decided to go back to school after my kids, after the twins were two years old, I went back to school and then got into dental school and I think just after all those years of just seeing um, like my brother-in-law told us he was gay and just seeing how harmful the church was to him. And then, um, and then just being surrounded by all these highly achieving, super smart, super kind and compassionate people that weren't Mormon. I mean, it was like just really eye-opening to me. I'm just Mm. like this, this, I don't know, whatever I've been told all my life, it's not adding up anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I finally just said I can't continue to align myself with a church that's, you know, just not in line with my personal values. And um, and so that's it's been a challenge because my husband is still active in the church. Um, oh, wow. Our other three kids still go to church pretty regularly. We make sure they know that they don't have to go to church, um, but they often do. Um, so I'm kind of trying to to walk that line of um, being respectful. Um, my husband is one of the most just kind and compassionate people. He's very open-minded. He's very um, loving and understanding and and we've really had to just say, okay, what do we have in common and what do we love about each other that doesn't, you know, we had to get rid of that foundation we built our marriage on and and say, okay, what what do we have that's still here? And when we realized all the things that we still have of value in our relationship, you know, we realized that that religion and the church was not was not the most important thing in our relationship. Oh, so. that, that makes me feel so just happy because so many times um, when one of the partners leaves the church or loses their faith, it breaks up the relationship because, you know, being taught from being a baby, you're like being married in the temple and the, and 
you know, being in this religion is the most important thing ever. And I'm just, oh, I just feel so, so happy that you have that relationship and your husband's so wonderful that you can put each other first and he's not, it's not church first. It's mm-hmm. you. And that's so beautiful. That's how it should be. That's wonderful. Yeah. And he's been the same way with our oldest too. I just, you know, you would think after all those years of indoctrination that that, that would have been a, a conversation that would have been, um, you could see how most members of the church would be very close-minded to yeah. that kind of uh, conversation with their child. And he's been just nothing but loving and accepting. And Aww. and that's been very heartwarming for me to see as well. And just, um, you know, I, I hear, and this is not to be critical, but I hear Sarah say a lot, like, you know, I'm so glad I'm not raising Rory in this, um, you know, and, and the truth is I am, I do still, you know, my kids are still in it. And all I, all I can do is try to bring some nuance to some of the things that they are hearing, um, you know, and, and tell them and try to help them to see and think and critically about some of those things that they are hearing and being taught, um, you know, and things, the most recent one you guys did about tithing, you know, I I've told my kids, I'm like, uh, yeah, uh, the church has like billions of billions of dollars. You really don't need to (laughs) give them many of your money. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, just to be able to tell them that straight up, like, Whereas my parents, you know, the way I was raised, they would have absolutely, oh no, we, we do this and we do it to be faithful. And, and so I'm glad I can at least, I guess, teach that to them to like approach things with some critical thinking, with some nuance um, and, and see things, I guess, from both perspectives. No, I think like, honestly, I, I have a lot of respect for me. I mean, obviously I had it before you told me the story, um, but definitely after hearing that, because I can't imagine, like, I think it would be incredibly hard not to voice your own bias towards, you know, your experiences in the Mormon church when your kids are like still going, because I've talked about that with my husband. Like, what if at one day Rory decides that he wants to convert to, to maybe not Mormonism, but any other type of cult-like religion where I'm like, no, I don't agree with this. Like we still need to be supportive parents, but where is that line that you draw where you also tell them the things that you want them to know to make a well-informed decision, but also they have to make the decision on their own if they're of an appropriate age, of course. But like, I don't know. I just find that that must be incredibly difficult. And so I, I, my hat is off to you. I think that's, and it's it's easy for me to say because I left the church before I had kids. And I think that's, that's a big difference as well. Right. Like, I mean, I I could imagine if I would have ended up, you know, marrying a Mormon and like your situation, exactly. Like that's, that's tough. And I'm sure it's exhausting for you, but it sounds like you are doing an amazing job, mama. Like you are doing really well. Yeah. I, I have my days where I wonder, but I'm trying and I think it's, I mean, I think it's good for some of your listeners to, to also realize like, yes, there are people, you know, that are walking the fine line and, and that, you know, that, that they have other people like them that are, that are in it too. And trying, just Definitely. trying to navigate some, some tricky situations. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. No, of loving and supporting our kids and, and teaching them to be, 
critical thinkers and not just accept everything at face value. So. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, that's where I am now. I'm done. I'm a, I'm done with dental school. I'm a dentist. I work with them. Um, I have a practice. I work, but I work a lot with the refugee population at a nonprofit organization. Wow. And then oh. I just recently, um, I haven't got it too far developed, but I started a nonprofit that's um, intended to work primarily with um, LGBTQIA plus um, patients, and um, because they are there's a lot of mental health um, concerns, and that leads to neglect and a lot of dental issues and other health problems. And so, um, my goal is just to to kind of level the playing field and 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 hopefully you know, reach those types of patients that have neglected their own personal health um, while they've, while they've worked through their mental, mental health and, and gotten on a good trajectory. So that's oh my God, where, that's where my time is spent right now. That's absolutely amazing. Wow. Like I, um, wow, that's incredible. That's very, very, very cool. Oh, and also, wow. Like, please, please, please share with us the links or anything to um, these platforms that you're talking about, like the the thing, the God, why am I, can I not speak today? It's called Brain Fart. But basically the projects and the everything that you're working on right now, like, please send us links so that we can share those and, and help support you in that way as well. Because I think it's amazing yeah. that you have, you know, you're doing this with your, your own free time, which you don't have a lot of, you are a dentist, you're also a mom, you're a wife, you have all these things going on, and you're still dedicating this time to do what you're doing to help a community that doesn't have a lot of support at the moment. So please yeah. let's use the platform to get that across. And yeah, hopefully, wow. read the word. You. Yeah, 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 for sure. Oh, so cool. I wish you were my dentist. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, um, okay, so uh, let's let's get into Bad Mormon by Heather. Wait, can I say before we get into Bad Mormon? Yeah, I have not read it yet. So Katie and Corey have read it, but and I find it interesting that you guys didn't really like Real Housewives. Am I correct? Neither of you were really into Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. <laughs> no, Sarah, it's, it's I being, like. <laughs> It's my love-hate relationship where it's like, I don't like that I like this, but I, <laughs> but I keep watching it. Um, I guess my thing is like, I, I only watch Real Housewives of Salt Lake because like, you know, that's where all my extended family lives. I know the city. So it's kind of funny to me to watch it, but I didn't feel like I related to Heather, particularly through the show, but okay. I definitely do. Yeah, I... I, I, had, I had to force myself, Sarah, to watch those episodes when we covered it on the show. <laughs> I had to How force are we them. besties? It's I don't know. In it, our relationship. It is literally. We could not be more different. We are so opposite on Real Housewives, Seafood, and Top Sheets. Okay. But we're so <laughs> best friends. But you, I, I did not like anything in that show. Like, I, I, ugh. It was the worst, but, well, okay, but <laughs> I'm going to say that I did not relate to Heather at all. Just like Corey just said, I didn't relate to any of them, 
But then okay, I read so that's the book. really good to know. But then with the book, because I haven't read the book. I read the book and it endeared me to her so much. Like because I actually I do not find in the last season of Real House of uh, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, I do not like her at all. And so the fact that you guys are saying like, oh, this I'm excited to to listen to the point of view of this book and to read it eventually because I was very much like, oh, I'm so done with Heather. But now I feel like yeah. I think there are lots of things in the book, Sarah, that you will very much relate to. For sure. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to keep it short and just highlight a few of them because like I seriously could read the whole book aloud to you guys and tell you <laughs> and then tell you like highlights. Um but uh so the first thing I I wrote down or highlighted was just in her very beginning author's note. She talks about her choice to use the word Mormon, even though, mm-hmm. um, you know, they've gotten away from doing that. And the church has asked people not to do that. But she just says that um, I have chosen to use Mormon and Mormonism as they are words with which I have found resonance since birth. Both monikers are used throughout the story in order to speak to my lived experience and my identity and not to offend or dismiss um, those who feel otherwise. Yeah, because we grew up being told to be proud of being Mormon. Like, we lived through the I am a Mormon campaign, right? Exactly, (laughs) exactly. And I I love just, you know, I love hearing, you know, all the platforms that are out there right now, um, including yours, but just, you know, that there are lots of ways to Mormon. I love, like, you know, Lindsay Hanson Park says that all the time. You know, there are lots of ways to Mormon. And mm-hmm. um, and I love that because it's like that even if I'm not going to church, even if I don't believe any of it anymore, like, you know, I am I am Mormon. Like, Matt's, I've like you go back generations on both sides of my family and, you know, and it's Mormon. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that's what brought a lot of my um, ancestors like to the United States. And so that's very much a part of my history and I don't necessarily want to just like give that up. And so I, I, I almost appreciate that we have a way to uh, differentiate like (laughs) um, cultural Mormons versus like being devout, like um, Mm -hmm. members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. (laughs) The church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I appreciated that. Um, so she she starts out talking about um, growing up in Colorado, and it's actually like probably about five miles from where I live is where she grew up. Oh, and wow. so, oh I thought um, she grew up in Utah. I had no idea. She moved to Utah when she was a teenager. Okay. So when she started high school, but she spent... Um, all of her like childhood and middle school years here in Colorado, just, yeah, just a few miles from, from here. And she talks about going through the temple. Um, and I think she went through the Denver temple is what she said before her mission. And so, um, you know, she was here during the dedication of the Denver temple, which that was interesting to me because I've been in that temple many times, but also like, I like, um, the Las Vegas temple, was my temple growing up like and it was dedicated about the same time that the Denver temple was and so she's also like almost my exact same age so like every time something I can just picture it like I can picture it historically so um so a few things she said like in her childhood she says 
Um, everything in my life confirmed my identity, my faith, and my future until it didn't. Mm. And that exactly was like, <laughs> that was my life. Yep. Um, and she talks, she just talks about some some little mischievous things she did as a kid and um, how it shaped her. Um, but there, there's one, um, one phrase she uses throughout the book. She'll talk about different things and then she'll say Mormon flex. Oh yeah. Mormon <laughs> flex. So funny because it's such a Mormon thing. So she talks about being born in the covenant. And I know you guys have talked about that a lot since Sarah was not, you know, yeah. but like, um, you know, that it was, it's like a Mormon flex. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, oh yeah. You know, or just, I mean, even now, like I'm talking about my ancestors and how I'm a multi-generational, <laughs> you know, Mormon, Mormon flex, it, Corey. It's yeah. a Mormon flex. Yeah. It's so funny to me. Um, and then she says, I didn't even know that we were religious. I just thought we were better than everyone else. Oh, it's so true. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's so, yeah, so relatable the way she uh -huh. says some of these things. Um, and then she was, she's like the middle in her family, and so am I. Um, uh -huh. And we were born like every 18 months my mom had another baby. Wow. Like they didn't believe in using birth control. They said, we're going to have as many children as the Lord will bless us with. So uh, I, I am the fourth of nine kids. So, oh my God. Um, <laughs> That's yeah. wild. I just, whoa. whoa. <laughs> Can you even imagine? No. no. I love my mom. She's amazing, but she's a little crazy. And now that I have my own kids, I'm like, well, no wonder. <laughs> like, yeah. can you imagine doing this every 18 months and then having nine children running around oh my, my god oldest, my oldest sister was 12 when my baby brother number nine was born I so can imagine <laughs> it was kind of total total chaos um she talks about going like her her worthiness interviews with the bishop mm -hmm. and like when he was asking about, do you touch yourself or whatever? And she was <sighs> like, uh, yeah, I like take a shower. I wash my hair. You know, she's like not yeah. even understanding what he's asking, but feeling right. like she has to confess something. Uh -huh. um, and, and then she's like, well, I guess like I've, I've been involved with heavy petting. <laughs> she didn't even <laughs> understand what it meant. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was in that first thing of youth book, and I was like, I didn't have any idea what that meant. Um, I didn't either. I, I never thought, understood it. Me neither. I know. I'm like, I'm like, I got my little kitty cat doing some heavy petting. I don't know. <laughs> so weird. Heavily petting my kitty cat. I mean, there's heavily a heavily petting. I mean, <laughs> does heavily uh, pet my kitty cat because <laughs> I was spared from that a lot because. My dad was put in as the bishop um, right before I turned 12, and he got released from being the bishop the Sunday before I left for college. And oh. so, and so my dad was my bishop <laughs> my entire teenage life, wow. and um, and I did go and tell him one time when like because because my boyfriend did something that I did not feel like was appropriate. And 
you could just tell he was so uncomfortable. And like, as soon as I told him what my boyfriend had done and then, and he's like, is that all? I'm like, yes. And he's like, oh. he's like, you're good. <laughs> he was super uncomfortable talking about it. And as soon as he realized it wasn't like that serious of a thing, he was just kind of like, okay, let's never talk about this again. <laughs> yeah. So super, super awkward. Um, and so I, you know, he never asked like super probing questions. And I think he just knew I had like a, a very like strong conscience. And if I did anything that I felt guilty about that, I would come and talk to him about it. But, um, on the other hand, that also made me kind of feel like maybe things like, I'm like, Oh, this is no big deal. Like right. if, if, you know, and so mm-hmm. when I went to BYU and like, I'm telling you, return missionaries at BYU, they're the worst. Oh. <laughs> and yeah. it was kind of like I just constantly felt like I was like trying to establish like boundaries, you know, like mm-hmm. with them. And and then it's like as soon as you've established established boundaries, I felt like that was just a goal for them to try to see if they can get me to lower my guard or something you know oh oh exactly yeah it was awful um so and um the one thing I did not ever tell my dad about but I did have um, my my best friend in high school her older brother assaulted me one time when I stayed the night there um and fortunately for me it was you know he he did not rape me but it was not consensual I was asleep and um and I just you know I spent years of my life thinking that I had somehow asked for that or invited that in um and and it was you know it took me a long time it took me into my adulthood to realize that that was assault to even call it that because to realize I'm like, wait a minute, I was asleep on the couch. And this was somebody that was four years older than me, you know, a lot larger than me. And I wake up to him on top of me doing things to me that I didn't ask for. I didn't want. And, um, you know, and just, and carried that like guilt with me for a long time. Um, but because I felt so much shame for that, that's something I never did talk to anybody about um not not my not my parents and and so that's where it was awkward to have my dad as my bishop because it's like well I can't talk to my bishop about this and I can't talk to my parents about this because they're the same person yeah yeah (laughs) so um I'm so sorry that happened to you anyway so well (laughs) it is you know I'm I'm I know I'm not alone. So that's why I feel like it's important to talk about. Um, So uh, the next thing in the book that she talks about is going to BYU and how she got She got a full ride scholarship for music to University of Utah, which I didn't realize that she was like such an accomplished musician. Yeah, me Uh, neither. And so she was offered a full ride scholarship to University of Utah um, for piano performance and she got into BYU but was not offered any type of scholarship and her parents just basically said go to BYU we'll we'll 
basically pay the difference from, you know, what your scholarship would have been. So that's what she did. And, um, and I, I did not even apply to anywhere besides BYU. <laughs> that's how crazy I was, I was, it was kind of like BYU or bust, you know, I was not even going to consider going anywhere besides BYU. I didn't even apply to Rick's or anything. I'm like, nope, going to BYU. And, you know, so I thought that that was um, kind of funny. And then she said something about, um, oh, I had most of these marked, but she was talking about how, um, how at BYU, she was not the type of, of, like a girl that the guys were looking for. Mm-hmm. Oh <laughs> and I'm God, like, that I was my, that. <laughs> that was my experience. Exactly. My experience at BYU. Um, Mine so, too. Yeah. <laughs> she said it so well. And I can't, and I thought I had it marked, but I, I didn't. Um, but she, she basically just says she was too loud and she was too, she was too everything, you know, for the guys yeah. at BYU. And I'm like, yeah. that was totally me. I was, I was just not the type of person that like, I didn't date very much. I, you know, and, and I was very like mission focused for most of my time there. And um, anyway, so then she talks about going um going on on she has like some business adventures while she's a student at BYU which is cool she's always very like uh entrepreneurial I can't say that word but um but then she decides to go on a mission um and it's so funny how she's talking about like you know what what she would do if she got called to Boise Oh, to Boise? That's right. Yeah. (laughs) She wanted to open it beforehand so that if that was the case, she'd be like, you know, I just really feel strongly like I need to stay and finish my education. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like, that's so funny. I totally related to that. Um, I was the the, um, fourth in my family. So of my family, eight of the nine kids went on missions. Oh, my God. And wow. so, um, and I was the fourth to go and my other siblings and two, two are older sisters. So, um, my sisters had gone to Chile and Spain and my brother had gone to Argentina. Cool. And so I'm like, I'm going to, I knew I'm like, I'm going to be the disappointment that gets called to, <laughs> yeah, to like, I'm going to go to Boise or Provo. Provo. And, um, <laughs> And then I get called to Brazil, and at first I was excited, but then I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to learn Portuguese. Like, yeah. what's the point of that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, Spanish is so much more practical. And so, like, <laughs> so after a little while, I was kind of like, ugh, you know, Portuguese. But anyway, I love Brazil. I think it's a fabulous place, and I love Portuguese. And I still speak Spanish, so there you go. There you um, go. But she, that whole thing, and and it's like such a cultural thing too, like like just the status associated with the mission call. I know. You get called. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is interesting because I ha- I've had two nephews that have gone stateside because they have like 
had some serious medical things. Like one of them um, has uh, epilepsy and, you know, you can't send them to a third world country and, and know that their epilepsy is going to be managed if there's any kind of issue. Right. Um, and the other one has, he has a uh, juvenile uh, arthritis, which is mm-hmm. really painful and has to yeah. be on some like autoimmune medications to manage that. And so, you know, so he got sent stateside as well. And, and it's like, why can't we just let people serve and like be grateful? I wish they would do more service as missionaries rather than yeah, preaching. But definitely, definitely. That's, a, that's for another day. But she talks about going through the temple. This is the chapter that I think that you would really relate to. Sarah. Oh, my God, Corey, this is my favorite chapter. When she <laughs> she goes into detail about the temple, Sarah, and I was just like, go, Heather, go, like, go off, tell them everything. And I was like, yes, <laughs> I cannot wait. It's it so eloquent. Like she, mm-hmm. she does it in a very natural way and uh-huh, she's still uh-huh. telling the story. Yeah. Um, but I related to it so much because, you know, a lot of people talk about the trauma of going through the washing and anointing, but I felt the same way she did where I just like, what is this? It was so beautiful to me to have like women blessing you and having have women be putting their hands on your head. And um so to me, like I always really liked that part, even though at first, it took me off guard to be like in that little shield thing, with <laughs> whatever. But like that contrasted with the endowment to me was was always like, uh, I don't know, it just seemed special. It seemed different. And then um, and then I just remember going through the temple my first time, having no idea what I was going to be doing there or the covenants I'd be making. and. Um, and then putting on all the clothes. And then I remember, um, like, I thought as soon as we were done with that prayer circle, I could take everything off. Like, oh, and nobody, and I couldn't, nobody was taking anything off. And I'm like, okay, once I get into the celestial room, I'm sure I can take all this off. I felt so self-conscious. And then you can't, like, everyone's <laughs> still wearing everything. Oh, my God. And I, and I remember asking my dad, I told my dad, I'm like, like dad can't I take this off I feel so stupid and he just looked at me and he's like how do you think I feel (laughs) and that is like one of my favorite things that I remember about my dad he's passed away now but I just remember him just like instead of chastising me for not being super spiritual in that moment he just like you know he just that is so that is so cute like in his little his little baker's hat being like well he's like how do you think I feel so (laughs) yes Sarah definitely read through that that chapter but one of the things that she um that she says which I thought was crazy and like I related to so much the way she said it she's like she says um Everyone was in on the secret, not just my family and friends I knew and trusted, but every single member of the church, the fresh faced missionary, the sweet older couple who brought um, bunk cake to the potluck, the frazzled mom who arranged babysitters so she could go spend three hours um, reciting rote phrases and going through the veil for dead strangers, even the delinquent apostates 
who had left the church managed to keep these oaths a secret. Was I the only one who thought it was shocking? <laughs> and I was like, I'm like, oh my goodness, it was so yeah. true. I just kept thinking after that, I would just walk around like they all have done this. Like they all knew this. Yeah. And, um, yeah. They've all worn <laughs> outfits and like said these, these words yeah. and done these shakes and they've all managed to keep it a secret from me until now. Yeah. <laughs> And it's also just like you can't talk like when you go through the temple, like I can still remember it so vividly, like afterwards being like, I can't talk about this. Like it was so much I wanted to ask and just also just say like, this is batshit crazy, right? Am I just the only one that's like weirded out, not feeling great, but you can't talk about it at all. Like I couldn't do it. And I think that's the part that makes it even more. I don't know, like part of maybe the the cult method, right? Is that they keep it so that you can't talk about it. And so then you just start building it up inside and thinking like, well, that's just how it is. I need to accept it. But you you just feel like you're going to explode. Or I did often, like every time after I leave, I'd be like, I need to talk about this to someone. Like I need to just process what just happened. (laughs) Like what what I was feeling, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Well, she she also says, um, this is the only faith I had ever known. This is my church since I was born. These were the people who raised me, who taught me everything I knew. You don't question when you see your bishop, your neighbor, your, the, or the cool kids' parents at temple night. The beliefs aren't reinforced by strangers. They're reinforced by the people who love you most. Oh, yes. In that moment that you don't really have a choice, you believe, you fall in line you commit like that's just so true and but then like re re rereading that I'm like that is so culty (laughs) (laughs) you just fall in line you're like okay this is the way it is yeah and And it's very like insular like it's all these people that love you and care for you and so and when they're all doing it uh you're like okay uh yeah. yeah and everyone around you especially like when you go to a place like BYU, all of those people are like all doing the same thing. And so, yeah, you just fall in line. Fall in line. Yeah. And then she talks about how weird it is that, you know, the minute you walk out that door, like, you know, that's like, okay, you're like, let's go grab some food to eat. Let's go run our errands. And then as soon as you get home, you shove your little suitcase in the back of your closet and don't talk about it. Yeah, and how like, bizarre. So wow. How so bizarre. So. <laughs> One thing that I did, I did remember, because she seemed, I don't know if this is stuff she found out later, but in the book, she she kind of implied that she understood what all the gestures meant, that they were remnants of those blood oaths, which Mm. I had no idea. I had no idea. I, I remember, I remember, you know, years later, after my mission, I'd been through the temple dozens of times and going with my husband and we would sit and we would talk about like, you know, uh, kind of like, um, kind of talk it through. Like, well, what do you think this symbolizes? And what do you think that this gesture, you know, we kind of talk about things and give each other our ideas and our perceptions. Neither of us had any idea of what those actually meant. And, yeah. um, and, I, and I just think that that's okay. It's fine. Change things, take things out. But at least be, at least be honest about what those used to mean. 
Mm -hmm. about what that is symbolic of. And instead of, I'm I'm like, I feel like I was just a fool because I'm like, I remember those conversations of trying to like, trying to find some deeper meaning in those symbols and in those hand gestures and the covenants and things. And then to realize what they were actually were, I was like, Mm -hmm. yeah, because you're not, you're not told what you're doing. Never told. Yeah. You're, it's very much no consent. Yeah. Yeah. So just to, yeah, just to realize the, that we were not informed about any of that. Yeah. Um, and then she talks about her mission, which is was was kind of cool because she talks about it in a very positive way. And um, you know, and I remember when I first left the church, my my older sister, she's like, "Well, what about your mission? You loved your mission." And I was like, "Yeah," because I thought I was doing I thought what I was doing was the right thing Uh I said that you know like and I look back and I'm like I'm grateful for those experiences and I'm grateful for the people that maybe it maybe the church really did help them in that moment but but for me coming from this perspective of realizing that it wasn't true (laughs) and that you know I gave up a year and a half of my life and you know, to go and do something. I'm like, I just feel like I could have better spent my time and my money to go and do some actual good, some actual humanitarian work or some service of some kind or finish my education because, you know, like now I go and do humanitarian work. I, you know, like, but I can actually do something rather Mm -hmm. than, you know, rather than just show up and, and I don't know. I think that, that seeing other cultures is important, but I think plus you don't, you're never guaranteed when you put your mission papers in that that's going to be the case either. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I just think for my kids, what I, what I would prefer is for them to have foreign, you know, experiences, you know, in a foreign country, seeing other cultures and other people, um, but also doing some kind of service that's like meaningful, that's actually helping and sometimes that's not actually physically going to the country. That's maybe providing them with money or things that will actually help the people there the most. Right. Instead um, of just trying to convert them. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, instead yeah. of like humanitarianism, seems to be good. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Too. Um, anyway, so this is kind of, I would say, where some of her, some of our experiences diverge a little bit is because her you know obviously her um marriage was much different than mine um even with them both in the church they didn't make it work and with my husband like us being on total opposite ends of that spectrum now we are making it work um but I think it's I think it is important to realize like I know that I, I know that it, it's almost, I wouldn't say a fluke, but I, I could have just as easily at 23 years old married somebody who would have been terrible for me, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. or would have, could have been, you know, misogynistic or patriarchal or whatever, but instead I kind of lucked out. I'm marrying a guy I'd known for a year of my life. Um, and ended up with somebody who's been very supportive of me. I mean, I 
told him I wanted to go to dental school with four kids at home. And he's like, okay, we'll, let, we'll make it work. You know? <laughs> Hell yeah. Just That's incredible. Um, and, and, you know, with my faith transition, we've just kind of doubled down and said, okay, what, what things do we, what values do we share? What values do we both feel um, like we want to pass along to our kids? And, um, and we've realized like we both, love nature we both love the arts and music and and we want to teach our children to be kind and compassionate and um and hardworking you know and it's like the things that we agree on are so much bigger than than the difference in religion at this point so i'm very grateful for that so um anyway i know i don't want to keep you guys much longer i that's I'm going to wrap up with that, but I do encourage anyone who has gone through a faith transition <laughs> or even is just curious about Mormonism and just what that looks like. I feel like um, Heather did an incredible job at just really giving people like an in-depth insight into what a, a Mormon life looks like. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I and, highly and, recommend it as well. I, I gave it five stars on good, or I think I gave it five or four. Anyway, I really liked it. <laughs> yeah. So um, I thought it would be cool too. I don't know if you guys have read very many other like Mormon <laughs> based memoirs or anything, but um, I, I thought it'd be good for people to know other ones that are good to read. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you guys have any recommendations? Well, we both read Educated. Yeah, by Tara Westover. That was very good. We did an episode about that. Um, so that was like less than an hour from where I grew up when I was. Oh wow! Like in elementary school, and I had some experiences. Definitely not as extreme as her, but like I remember like splitting my knee open, like gashed open. And you know we're an hour from the hospital. My dad whips out the super glue lose it back together the minute I bend my knee it busts back open he's oh, like oh, I would have done that with stitches too you know like things oh, like that, that we just we didn't go to doctors we didn't and I was like so when I read her book I was like oh my gosh it's like, yeah it was like was... reliving some of my childhood but <laughs> too extreme yeah um, yeah that was yeah. very good yes I think that's the only one I can I can think of that I've read I've read so, some um FLDS memoirs but I don't know uh -huh. if I've read like more I, I I know I think I've read a couple but I can't think of what they are at the top of my head well when so I finished writing mine you guys ones, I, <laughs> uh, another re one that I read recently that I also highly recommend it's called I'm I'm glad my mom died Oh, oh yes this one so it's not, it doesn't, about this mm -hmm. yeah from the actress it's from iCarly but um she doesn't focus super heavy on them on the Mormon stuff but it's so interesting because of the way it's just woven in kind of mm -hmm. effortlessly and and um and her you know she her mom was very narcissistic so it's interesting to see that um because like my grandmother was like she was not diagnosed, but you can see um, that she was, 
very much like suffered from a narcissistic personality disorder to see so to see how that intertwines with mormonism was really interesting to me and then she talks pretty in depth about eating disorders um Mm. which i think is also good for so I, i liked i really really liked that one um and then another one that i've i'm about in the middle of but it's absolutely hilarious is it's called um the New York regional Halloween singles dance or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) I'll look at it. It's so, it is so funny. Um, Oh, I need to read it. uh, Yeah. So those are the, those are the ones that other ones I would recommend. Oh, thank you. Thank you for the recommendations. Oh, and thank you. Thank you for coming on the show and for, telling us about your your story and kind of covering Heather's book. I think, yeah, I really liked it. I recommended it as well. So yeah, awesome. Well, you guys have really helped me to just process and feel like I've got a couple of friends to like, that can just, you know, like make some of this stuff that seems so ridiculous, like talk about it and just sometimes laugh because sometimes (laughs) it's like, sometimes the trauma is so real that the best thing to do about it is to laugh about it, you know? And yes. so, so I've really appreciated that. And just having, hearing some other female voices, um, it's, uh, there, there are more females in the podcasting community right now, um, which I appreciate, but I mean, when you guys started, there was, there were not very many options. And so no. <laughs> I really appreciate what you guys have done and, kind of that path that you've blazed for other female voices in you know the Mormon community ex-Mormon community and just um yeah just like being able to voice what a lot of us have felt um and bring to life some of the the I guess some of the traumas that that people have gone through so Corey, you know you. I'm hormonal still. This is making me very emotional <laughs> and I'm tearing up right now. Thank you. That's thank you. Oh. Yeah, it's so That's nice. And so wonderful. Yeah. And we loved having you on. Ah, I mean, well, honestly, you both you make it to, to Colorado sometime because I'd love to love to take you out for a drink. Ooh, yes. <laughs> if I'm ever. Oh my God, I have FOMO already. Come to London, and we all. Know. <laughs> That very much might happen. So, oh, please, cool. if you are posted, let me know, please. <laughs> Sounds good. All well, right. Thank you both so much. Yeah. Thank you. And we'll be back later. Bye-bye. Be back. Bye bye. Bye.